Why don't you tell me one or two of your favorite Transformer ships and why? Half the ships are dead. Hello and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Alice. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 5, Roll For It. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yeah. So, last time on the Transformers, Spike was kidnapped, Bumblebee's memories were dicked with, the Decepticons perfected the space bridge, and Megatron went on an unscheduled vacation to scenic Cybertron. And that's perfected in quotation marks. (laughs) It didn't go well is what we're getting at here. Anyway, like any good episode, we open with two jets and Soundwave flying through the sky. And Soundwave's in robot mode, though it would be super weird if he was flying as a boombox. I swear that happens later. (laughs) Probably. I mean, it would be funny, but it would be weird. As they're flying, Starscream is espousing about being the new leader of the Decepticons. Uh, he almost hits Soundwave while flying because he's a jackass. <laughs> Soundwave appears to momentarily consider changing sides because his Decepticon symbol is miscolored red for this shot. <laughs> They're normally purple. Those of you who don't know this off the top of your head. So purple. <laughs> they attack a dam, blasting through a plate glass window. Okay, I think it was like a hydropower plant, but, but to me that translates over as a dam, right? So why are they so obsessed with dams? This is the second time, right? It's just a convenient plot point. Clearly, people freak out and call in a Decepticon sighting. Like, I, are they, do you think there's a hotline? I feel like at this point there's like a hotline to the Autobots of like, holy fuck, there's Decepticons here? Either that or 911 has actually started, you know, putting together a code for giant robot attacks. And then it gets forwarded it. to the Autobots. I believe it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, the best part about this is that the security guards attempt to take out giant transforming robots with handguns. Not even, like, fancy-ass handguns. No, no, they're just little handguns! <laughs> and then the Decepticons have terrible aim and blow up some barrels and crates, but mysteriously miss those pesky little humans. Starscream proclaims himself as amazeballs, i.e. he's doing an amazing job, no he's not, and orders Soundwave to begin collecting Energon. And here they have his tape deck open, but you cannot see the inside of his chest. It, like, doesn't exist. There's just a blank blue void (laughs) that matches the rest. Well, there isn't a void, is what I'm getting at. (laughs) There's no hole. Yeah. Anyway, Optimus Prime, Cliffjumper, and Braun show up, uh, quoting, I think, Cliffjumper, just your friendly neighborhood Decepticon wreckers. Honey, you guys ain't the Wreckers. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so the Wreckers are something that'll show up in other media later. They're basically kind of like the Autobot Brute Squad, sort of? Sort of, yeah. They're the Autobot. They're not special operations, but they're the, like the special hit squad or something. It starts out with Impactor and like Wreck and Rule, something. And then the Triple Changers, uh, Springer sandstorm and broadside get added and that's that's neither here nor there it's not at all relevant to this basically it is kind of funny with the phrasing because the wreckers as like a group of autobots is a thing that exists later so it's mildly weird that it's used here in Um, multiple multiple iterations yeah it's it's a thing in multiple iterations just not in like this specific version of g1 so everybody fights, and then Optimus and Starscream end up in a tug-of-war match, which only ends when they accidentally blow up all the energon the Decepticons were stealing. Yep. 
And then Braun, the immovable object, gets a bunch of movable objects thrown at him. One of which is Cliffjumper. Um, Soundwave, being the only intelligent one here, orders a freaking retreat. And then Starscream flies off past a super pretty rainbow. It's very pretty, honestly. Why did they put so much detail in that? My question is, what happened to the other two Seekers in this scene? Like, they just completely disappear. We don't see them flying out of the factory or the plant or whatever. Snuck off for makeouts? (laughs) Possibly. Soundwave, because he can't turn into a jet and presumably completely forgot he could fly, makes the goofiest escape imaginable, running really awkwardly outside, nearly tripping, and then through what looks like a volleyball net? It really does. Presumably it's not, and it's supposed to be a fence, but we say volleyball net because, like, the actual, like, grid or net part doesn't start until like a good 10 feet off the ground because it's like up to his knee and it's not connected to anything else it's very strange i don't know what it's for and i would love to see the freaking like um show notes for this to like know what the heck was going on here (laughs) it's a very very strange fence i'd like to see the show notes for like everything that oh, yeah. happens because this is a trip. So, so something that like I've heard said about uh, Gem and the Holograms is like they'd write something and the animators would do something very strange with it and so like I look at a lot of the stuff here and I'm like is that what happened? I'd really like to know. Or did they just say oh Soundwave ran off and trips or something? Like what did that look like? Could be. And then uh, Prowl and Blue Streak give chase. Where did they even come from? We didn't see them with the other Autobots. They just show up the hell out of nowhere. Uh, so they show up, they hit Soundwave, who flies into the air, turns into a boombox, and is promptly caught by Starscream. In in his belly hatch? Is this where he sticks all the Energon? <laughs> Soundwave is riding cargo <laughs> with the Energon. Poor Soundy, he's having a bad day. <laughs> and then Blue Streak shoots both Starscream and Thundercracker. Okay, but where did Thundercracker come from and where is Skywarp? Uh, uh, anyway, when we get back to the Autobots, Optimus Prime is there with Prowl and Blue Streak. And when it cuts back, Prowl is standing and Blue Streak is in car mode. But Blue Streak is the one shown talking in the next shot. Like, so, like you can see his face. You yeah, it's like clearly Blue Streak. And it's not like one of the things with from Robots in Skies 2001 where there's his face in a little stupid dash. Yeah, they're like, video. no, it, it was Blue Streak. He was the one standing up there, but not in the long shot. Prowl and Blue Streak pursue the Decepticons. Uh, Thundercracker <sighs> insults Starscream leadership capabilities as they escape. And now back on Cybertron. Megs wants to go home because Starscream is an idiot. Shocking no one. So Megatron contacts Starscream and orders him to attack a lab as planned to get the anti to get an antimatter formula, apparently. And we're back to Astroseconds five billion? Why? <laughs> Why would you count anything in seconds, Megatron? Astroseconds, because we've gotta be dumb robots. <laughs> so I'm just like why? <sighs> And then Shockwave seems way more energetic today. I mean, did Energon actually come through? I didn't think anything came through with Megatron. I, I, did, did some of it make through, or is it the fact that his boss, his boss is back? <laughs> you decide. So, uh, evil ray of doom, and poof, Megatron is back on Earth. Where he is promptly greeted by Laserbeak and Rumble. Laserbeak actually lands on his arm. I still think it's weird that he's pretty reasonable with this, because that's a good chunk of the time, given how much of an asshole he is to pretty much everybody else. 
And then Rumble gives him an update, and oh my god, Rumble is so tiny! He is! Like, so, uh, if you ever play the video games, it is hysterical if you have to fight Rumble, because it's like fighting a leprechaun that comes up to your knee. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god, die! Oh, that's amazing. It, it really is! I'm just sort of like, why am I having so much trouble with this thing? And I don't even remember if it was Rumble or Frenzy, but fighting both of them sucks! Um, anyway, so we cut to a lab where Bumblebee drives up. And Bumblebee is apparently wheelchair accessible. He's really ahead of his time, because, uh, well, I wasn't expecting a Volkswagen bug to be uh, wheelchair accessible, but it's frankly uh, awesome that they did that. Yeah, I like that Like clearly he had configured himself slightly differently to help Chip out. I think that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're greeted by a guard with really long legs. He just, he looks like he got designed by Clamp. Clamp Super legs. Long legs. <laughs> Yep, and then Reflector observes the guard entering his passcode in the lab. It looks like he's actually taking photos of... Of, like, when he's pressing the buttons. Yes. And he says it was as easy as a piece of oil cake. Maybe we should be keeping track of these crumbs of Cybertronian culture. I mean... Do they bake cakes? Like, what do, do, do they... Do, how does that work? I want to see a recipe, goddammit! I feel like someone's made reference to oil baths, but I mean, none of the stuff in here <laughs> that, is that, that was, Presumably oil baths weren't edible. They were like, meant to be edible. I know, but it's like... <laughs> variants of oil? Is like, this oil for food? Is this oil <laughs> like for water. maintenance? I don't know. It's like, oil bath, mineral bath, same thing. So, we're introduced to Chip, a uh, 14-year-old, we think. Maybe. Uh, boy in a wheelchair who will be another reoccurring human character in the series. We couldn't seem to confirm his age on the TF wiki and he's Spike's best friend so presumably they're the same age-ish? Well maybe, or at least close in age. He's really adorable and is one of the more appealing characters in the series and he is also super friggin' smart. Oh yeah. I think he's smarter than the robots, honestly. You'll see that later. (laughs) I I don't think it's an exaggeration. (laughs) And Bumblebee agrees with me. And okay, it's kind of creepy, maybe. He's totally petting Chip in one of their shots. (laughs) I mean, it's clearly meant to be, like, a thing of endearment, but yeah, you have the giant robot who's, like, ruffling the guy's hair. (laughs) Uh, As we said, Chip is super smart and apparently has had a hand in the antimatter development going on in the lab they've arrived at. He has then handed a bendy floppy disk that will apparently allow his home computer to communicate with the lab computer. Which is called Betsy Brainiac. And it's also Autobot Orange. The entire interior of this lab is, like, Autobot Orange. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, as they're leaving, they're attacked by Laserbeak. And so they were in the desert, but now suddenly they're in a city! Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, they escape into, like, an underground parking garage. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! That scene change was really weird. It was very... It, it was not fluid. Not at all. Yeah, and then Laserbeak reports back to Megatron. I'm serious, this is the second time just in this episode Laserbeak has landed on Megatron's arm. I don't think he does this with anyone else but Megatron in Soundwave. Correct me if I'm wrong. As far as I can remember, I don't think he lands on anyone else, but I haven't watched the full series. Yeah, well, I'll make note of it if it happens again, because I can't remember off the top of my head. Meanwhile... All the reflectors pose like a weird robot boy band behind Megatron during all of this. This is surprisingly not the only time some Decepticons look like a boy band. I'm not not shocked by this at all. They just like striking some cool poses. Look like they're gonna, you know, lay down some sick beats, I guess. (laughs) 
So uh, Chip is dropped off at home where he attempts to warn the lab that they are about to be attacked by Decepticons, presumably. <laughs> and as uh, Spike and Bumblebee are driving off, we get to see Bumblebee's bright pink seats again. They, they tell the Autobots, presumably, that the attack is going to happen, and then Optimus is heading towards the lab. Meanwhile, Blue Streak and Prowl have caught up with the Seekers and Soundwave, who are cannibalizing some Earth jets for parts. I guess they're making repairs. I feel like repairs should work differently from this. It really just looks like they're sticking a new wing on Thundercracker. Yeah, it just sort of felt weird when, like, Pearl and Blue Streak walked in as they're just, like, attaching jet parts to each other. <laughs> it was very strange. Like, where did they get the paint? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, our, so the way jets generally work is that there are fuel tanks in the wings. How did they keep the fuel tanks from bursting? I mean, so, kind of... Well, I also don't know if that's how it works with military jets, but I'd assume so. Eh, maybe. Regardless, I do want to point out that the Decepticons don't really have a doctor, so it's kind of, like, the fact that they're repairing themselves, one, I find kind of amusing, but two, is like, is that make Starscream their doctor? Or is Combination sound with Starscream, because we see what they do in uh, Fire in the Sky. That's true. So, it's kind of weird. Later iterations, they'll actually get a few doctors. Um, One of our favorites is Knockout, (laughs) obviously, but uh, we don't really get one here. They don't really have doctors, so it is kind of like, who does prepare them? I think the um, Constructicons are technically considered their doctors when they show up. Yeah, that would be one way to do it, okay. I don't know if they're actually... well. Hook, I think, is a surgeon. Not sure about the others, though. Mixed Master yeah, could probably... F- I wasn't know. sure if Hook being a surgeon was, like, a fan-in thing that had become really widespread, or if he was actually labeled that way in the show. But... I don't remember. Let me look this up. Because, yeah, it could definitely be fan-in. I, like, it showed up in a fanfic I was reading, and I, I honest to God, don't know if, it, if it's in the actual canon or not. Okay, well, he considers himself an artist. Master craftsman. Let's just let's let me just read the uh, <laughs> the wiki to you. The snob of the Constructicons. Hook considers himself an artist. He looks upon the rest of the Decepticons almost as peasants. Underneath him, to a degree, though full of himself, Hook is a master craftsman, having truly earned his insufferable ego. His high standards that he holds himself and others to means he takes extra care to ensure that even the most simple of jobs is completed to the nth degree of perfection. It doesn't say that he is the me- is a medic, but... So so I think it's safe to say we're not sure if it's something that'll show up in canon or not, but it's pretty prevalent in fan fiction or just the, like the fanon with the Constructicons, so we're not actually sure. I guess, yeah, Soundwave and Starscream, they get to be the medics. At least for now. A fight ensues! As it always does! So much fighting! We cut to Meg, Sprumble, and Reflector, who are using the passcode to gain entrance to the lab, and I have to ask, why didn't they just blast through the freaking wall? That... I mean, God, we see them blast through... Yeah, just wait for it. ...walls and windows and everything. Uh Uh-huh, just wait for it. (laughs) And so, back with Chip, he's attempting to contact the lab via his home computer. Apparently this is a really nice setup for the time, although I couldn't tell you either way. (laughs) And, well... You can see a bunch of college flyers on Chip's wall. Like, at least one of those looks like it was a fancy tech college or some sort of research college. Apparently the dude's got his future planned if he isn't already taking pre-college courses. Or went through college because he's super smart. You decide. Mm -hmm. Anyway, remember that thing I asked about why the Decepticons didn't blast through the wall? 
Now Megatron blasts through the wall. And Whoa. Megatron demands the antimatter formula from the scientist. <laughs> he calls him a flesh creature. <laughs> the scientist deletes the formula, but Megs calls him out on his bullshit by using his, his psychic hands to determine that he'd uploaded the formula to someone else, i.e. Chip. I have no idea if he'll ever use this random ass ability again. <laughs> I mean, I doubt it. If they wanted to be consistent, they could have just used that stupid chest tentacle. That oh, let's not talk with. about the chest tentacle. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, Prowl and Blue Streak continue to fight the Seekers, Soundwave and uh, now Ravage. Yeah. And then Prowl shoots Ravage, who goes and hides behind Soundwave's legs. Save me, Daddy. Uh, Soundwave shoots Prowl, taking his battle computer offline. <laughs> no one else has one of these but Prowl, apparently. Prowl uses his ear antennae to hunt for another online computer so he can use it to help fight. Battle buddy! This allows him to link up to Chip's home computer. Somehow. <laughs> Chip remote controls Prowl through the fight. Honestly, Chip would probably own at competitive video games now. He'd oh. probably be amazing. Either that or he would o totally own at BattleBots. <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see that! Although, uh, ironically, I just like the idea of Transformers building tiny robots to fight, like, at, like in human competitions. That would be incredibly entertaining, and I could kind of see Wheeljack doing it. Oh yeah, for shits and giggles. Like, I, I know they don't have the hollow forms uh, like they do in the comics here, but I could totally see him showing up just like, this is my robot! And just completely, you know, blowing humans' tiny, puny little minds. <laughs> like, I could see... I could actually see Swindle, like, setting up some sort of betting thing. Oh god, he would! <laughs> yeah. And then Blue Streak looks like he got drunk and lost his chevron here for a bit. Uh, basically, his colors are all fucked up. <laughs> Chip has Prowl use another jet to shoot missiles at the Decepticons. This is a normal people jet. Uh, I'm not sure why that's more effective than just, you know, shooting them, but they retreat, so eh. Oh, oh, we forgot. We forgot. Prowl is riding the jet here. Oh, yeah, like, he, that's what I mean. He, like, he is fucking straddling the jet somehow, <laughs> Yeah, like, reaching into, I think, the cockpit, making it fire missiles. I'm like, I don't know why that was Chip's first instinct, but okay. It's amazing, and and then the Decepticons escape and hunt down Chip, because of course. And Chip, our resonant squishy badass, rips up the floppy with his bare fucking hands that have the formula on it, having memorized the formula himself. And then Ravage just crashes through Chip's bedroom wall like the freaking Kool-Aid man and proceeds to kidnap Chip. Wheelchair and all. Door. Technically, Ravage did burst down the door, not a wall. He's not a complete heathen, thank you. That's true, that's true. <laughs> he is oddly careful while doing all of this, uh, besides going wheelchair first through a window, of which Chip is completely unharmed. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting controlled defenestration today. <laughs> Ravage aims, please. Uh, I, I just think it's weird. Uh, the Decepticons are actually sort of oddly careful with Chip through all of this. Like, yes, I know they just crashed through a window, but beyond that, like, they basically just, you know, drop him into, uh, I think, Starscream, and they're off. Yeah, something like that. And then Soundwave reads the teenage boy's mind in order to get at the antimatter formula. <laughs> Oh, the things he must have seen, I don't even want to know. <laughs> Autobots uh, then sneak into the lab by using the power of illusions and Rumble's own goddamn stupidity. Why are you a rolling rock hound? Why? I mean, and you can see 
You can see Mirage's footprints. Yeah, it's very strange. Mirage turns invisible and Hound is pretending to be a rock. This is how they get past Rumble. That's rolling. And I think they talk to him. Yes, basically, he, I think Rumble says something to the effect of, oh, it must have been nothing. And I want to say Mirage uh, was like, that's the, that's the most intelligent thing you've said all day. And he's like, hey, but he still can't see anybody. <laughs> so Soundwave then hacks into the computer by shooting a little laser beam from his hand. He goes out rainbowy while doing so. We never Why? see this again. Yeah, I mean, welcome to our reoccurring theme of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the Decepticons manage to create antimatter. And then Hound confuses Megatron with the power of holograms and possibly throwing his voice. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Like, but to me, I feel like they should be able to tell where the voice is coming from otherwise. Uh, Bumblebee and Spike do make it in and they rescue Chip. Bumblebee cradles Chip rather tenderly. I don't know if Chip would have been thrown out of his wheelchair at this point. I, I think he was. Later. I think that's why he picked him up, but I might mm. be wrong. So, to escape, Bumblebee sort of transforms around Chip and Spike, and then books them out of there. By driving up the stairs. Stairs are uh, no consequence to a giant alien robot, thank you. Um, uh, they're probably followed by Hound and Mirage. Who also drive up the stairs. With no problems, yes. I have issues with the Formula One car doing this, but okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Decepticons fail to hit anything or anyone relevant. And then we get another environment animation sequence, and then all three vehicles crash through a window and make a graceful exit from three stories up, surprising the hell out of Rumble. Rumble is also having a bad day. A very, very bad day. <laughs> It'll get worse. <laughs> and then Hound is suddenly blending with the environment, like he apparently decided to go camo, because he's, he's very tan instead of green here. Oh no, he's cosplaying Swindle. <laughs> Like two seasons beforehand. <laughs> Optimus bursts into the lab with Sunstreaker, Blue Streak, and Ratchet and Toe. Are they in are they in his trailer when this happens and then do they get released from the trailer? Yeah, I think that's how that went. <laughs> anyway, while doing this, they hit Rumble in the process. As we mentioned, Rumble's having a very, very, very bad day. Yeah. Yeah. And then Megatron throws the antimatter, blowing up the entire lab. But not really, it's still standing. I don't really understand. <laughs> Oh, oh, before this, we just saw the Autobots burst through walls to confront Decepticons, and, like, each Autobot has their own individual hole, except what appears to be Ratchet. Who we think is actually supposed to be Ironhide through, like, this entire scene, but he's colored like Ratchet. Yeah, because... I don't know. Later, when we get back, it seems like Ratchet's been back at the Ark the entire time, but let's get back to what we're actually at. <laughs> back to our... Back on our shit. <laughs> But yeah, so a lot more Autobots exit the lab than we saw entering. And Optimus says, we've suffered losses, but we've not lost the war. Who died, Optimus? I'm Who died? I'm convinced Sunstreaker's paint job was the only casualty. Yeah, and his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sunstreaker. Yeah, and then when the bots get back to base, they act like Ratchet's been there the entire time. Like, like I said. Yeah, Ratchet's just like, whoa, guys, what are you doing? You got blown up. <laughs> Uh, so Chip starts to beat himself up, uh, over, you know, the Decepticons getting the code, but Wheeljack's like, buddy, we can use your brain for better uses, let's go blow shit up. He's so understanding. Wheeljack, he's just he's so understanding. I think he just wants help with his mad scientist experiments in the basement. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people give him lots of shit for blowing shit up, but we haven't actually seen him blow a whole lot of shit up, except yeah. for that one bomb that he made for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about the time the Megatron and the Decepticons decide to attack the Ark. 
And off go the Lamborghinis to fly! And the Sunstreaker and Sideswipe commit atrocities against Jets. Jet Judo! <laughs> also, weirdly enough, Sideswipe doesn't appear to be wearing a jetpack, but Sunstreaker is? Um, I don't really remember who's supposed to be wearing the jetpack, but canonically, Sideswipe does have one. I just don't remember who has it in this scene. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it was Sunstreaker, and I was like, how is Sideswipe flying, and why does Sunstreaker have the jetpack? But whatever. We get, some, we get some decent animation here. The brothers fight the jets. There's, like, some really nice... It's just it's very nice. This is I where the budget like went. Hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. And nevertheless, when they get shaken off by the jets, they have those extremely convenient parachutes, like like what Mirage had after his... <laughs> they <thing>. all survived. <laughs> uh, Megatron then shoves, absorbs antimatter into his chest. Do the what voice. The... Oh, okay, I can do that. <clears throat> Beware, Autobots! I am about to transform into the most powerful weapon in the universe! He says, uh, as he turns into gun mode. Which I have to ask, what the fuck even is antimatter? Gut Viagra? Ugh, moving on! Starscream starts shooting Megs at the Autobots. And, and Hound is trapped by rocks? Again, this might be a running theme, but I don't know, <laughs> he seems like he's just, like, buried in the rocks now, like... Like, this is, like, time number three, right? Or is it just two? Starscream continues to fire. And then Braun hides in a ditch to toss his boss at Starscream, because Starscream is on the ground. And... Instead of flying, because he's a jet. And no, we're not sure why this was the plan they went with, either. I, I guess they're just working with their environment, since there was that incredibly inconvenient ditch. But, I mean, how did Braun get in there? Did he go, like, the long way around and sneak? How did... How did Starscream not hear him or see him or something? Because I feel like Starscream was pretty close to the dish. <laughs> uh, he was too busy um, getting Megatron off. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd sneak one in there somewhere. Anyway, Optimus knocks Megatron out of Starscream's hands. Megatron then gets picked up by Skywarp. Meanwhile, Skywarp is accosted by humans who put on Wheeljack's device, and that device gives them control over Skywarp's body. They, they just stick it to his leg like so how it goes is spike comes running over what looks like a freaking jackhammer and then skywarp picks him up and is like squishy i'm gonna shoot you and then chip wheels over sticks the thing on his leg and is like no you're not and then they're basically remote controlling skywarp so skywarp begins to fire at the decepticons and random landmarks with megatron uh, Megatron returns to his robot mode because the antimatter he shoved in his chest is about to reach critical mass. Of course it is. Um, so of course this means he has to start dumping, <laughs> dumping the cubes out of his boobs. Predictably, uh, the cubes explode and the Decepticons retreat. Megatron vows revenge as the episode ends. This <laughs> is. Is this the bit where they just fly away looking really tired, or is that the next episode? I think that's the next one. Like, the next episode basically ends very, very similarly, like, with a fight with the Autobots versus the Decepticons again at the Ark. (laughs) They started to blur together after a while, let me tell you. So, we have some recommendations. There's three fanfiction recommendations, and then one piece of art, actually animation, that Owls has to recommend. So let me go into the uh, the fanfiction, and then we will get to the animation. 
So the first recommendation I have for you today is Always the Wrong Lid by Bibliotecaria D, which is a, sort of an alternate universe of G1. It's more taking everything that happens in G1 and treating it seriously, I guess. It's rated K, Gen, there's no pairings. So the characters Chip Chase, Skywarp, Thundercracker, Soundwave, Reflector, and Shockwave. And in summary, it's an alien look at human racism and bodily fluids. There's an awful lot more in there than that. Um, so our main character that this is rec is recommendation is based on is Chip Chase. And then it's a one-shot. Uh, the next one is Lockout by Maria Shadow, which is G1 cartoon, rated K, gen, no pairings. Character, ma main character is Prowl, and I believe there's some human original characters. So, main character's Prowl, and in summary, Prowl endures forced stress leave and competes in a chess tournament. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, our theme here is Prowl because, yeah, we got to see Prowl do some pretty neat tricks with uh, Chip piloting him. <laughs> and it's a one-shot, and our last recommendation is Snap, Crackle, Pop by Shylight. It's G1 cartoon, rated T. It's uh, general, so there's no pairings. Uh, the main characters are Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, and the Decepticons and Autobots. So, in summary, Sideswipe hates teleporting. And therefore, by association, hates Skywarp. Sunstreaker unleashes an unholy wrath upon the Decepticon base due to a misunderstanding. No jetpacks or GPS systems were harmed in the making of this fic. Beyond repair, anyway. And so the theme for this was Skywarp, uh, Jet Judo, and so on and so forth. Also teleporting and things ending up not where they're supposed to be, or people, <laughs> I guess. And this one is a complete uh, five-parter, I think. It's complete. And so those are the fanfiction recommendations done. Let's go over to the art and animation. So just a reminder, uh, anything we talk about on here, you can find links for on our Tumblr. Uh, we're not spelling out names and stuff, but all the links should be pretty easy to find. So if you're interested, head over there. That way you can, you know, check out the lovely fan art or the fanfic. We're also going to be trying to reblog a lot of the fan art if it's on Tumblr so that it's easier to see, basically. <clears throat> so... Our fan art for the day is Masterpiece Reanimated. And this is someone who has reanimated scenes from Generation 1, but using the Masterpiece figures. We'll be including a link to a scene that was actually from today's episode, and honestly, it does a better job with continuity than the actual scene, which I find kind of hysterical. It's amazing. It is. So if you remember kind of where we opened up, where the, the uh, jets were in the... The damn damn power hydro power plant or whatever uh basically they do that entire section up until i think the jets fly off uh which means we also get Soundwave walking through the volleyball net fence whatever and it is delightful i highly recommend it and transforming and being caught by by starscream like they did such a good job you should go watch it um, anyway, they've got a YouTube, a Twitter, and a Patreon, and we will post links for all of those. You should go check it out, because it was really fun to watch. And they actually have more videos, but I thought, or we thought this was the most um, applicable one for today, since it was a scene from the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I specifically looked it up to show you. <laughs> it was hilarious! I loved it! So, join us next time for episode six, 
Divide and Conquer, where Optimus Prime nearly dies for about the fifth time. Um, and the Autobots have to get on a Cybertron to retrieve something to fix him. With the help of Chip, and there's a lot of random things that happen, including, but not limited to, glue guns, Shockwave can't hit shit, and uh, Acid Brain. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check our Tumblr at afterspark-podcast.tumblr.com for any additional information, show notes, or links that we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and SoundCloud and YouTube at AfterSparkPodcast. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Els. Toodles.